0: Hi, this is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network. We hope you are staying safe, sound, and sane as this year continues to drag on and we do all that we have to do to get through this pandemic. Well, how about this? If you want to be on a Zoom call that isn't dreadfully boring, please join us for Zoomapalooza, an interactive adventure of fun, games, comedy, and who knows what else. Tickets are absolutely free or hire us for your next office or corporate event. Just visit pod617.com slash Zoom. That's pod617.com. Zoom. Now enjoy the following production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Are you ready? It's time. From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f- yes hello ladies and gentlemen boys and girls all the ships at sea lovers muggers and thieves welcome to the boston podcast my name is dave if you like this podcast please subscribe to us on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcast. leave us a comment and uh, show us a little bit of love well speaking of love we love our pets don't we and we love our pets so much so During this pandemic, because in some cases it's all we got, and I've been saying for a long time, the pets are the big winners in this thing because everybody always wants to take them for a walk, and the masters are just always around. And uh, however, of course, there is the uh, the sad prospect of losing a pet. I have someone who's expert in that, which is to say that my guest Khalil Sakakini is an ordained animal chaplain and credentialed pet loss and bereavement counselor. I have never met anyone who does what you do, my friend. So. Welcome to the
1: show. Hey there, <laughs> good to be here. There are only about a half dozen of us in the entire country, actually. Maybe about fifteen animal chaplains in the country. Is that and right? 30, I'm the only one in Massachusetts and all of New England. Mm-hmm. It's um, gonna change because I think gradually people are beginning to become highly sensitized to the animal-human connection and what it means when that connection is severed or broken especially by death that people are really heartbroken and they are experiencing profound grief. Typically they might go to a therapist, but they no skill for sadness. And the broken heart's not a mental health issue. So this stuff, all the stuff we would have for us as human beings when someone we love dies, a funeral, a celebration of life ceremony, 40 day mass if you happen to be Definitely. a religious person, Mm-hmm. people coming to the door with casseroles doesn't happen with an animal right and yet recent statistics have shown that people feel more bereavement and more pain at the death of an animal companion their pet than they do with a living relative, a friend mm-hmm. even a parent. and the reason is not so complicated because in our human relationships it's difficult. We have betrayal, we have anger, we have frustration, regret. But it's a mess. Mm-hmm. But with our animals, it's like the closest you can get to kind of pure love. And I think Andy Harvey once said that animals have souls that the Dalai Lama would envy. <laughs> so with that kind of connection, you can see where the anguish and the pain is so great.
0: What do you think? The, what do you think the Dalai Lama meant by that? Souls that other people would envy.
1: I think our, I mean, Dalai Lama is a human being, I suppose if you're a Buddhist, you would perceive the Dalai Lama as an incarnation of, of, this, of the divine Buddha, ultimately, mm-hmm. the Atman. But as a human being, he too has shortcomings, limitations. The books I've read indicate that he can be irrit- irritable, just <clears throat> mean slow to anger, perhaps, but animals somehow know this world in ways we as human beings never will mm-hmm. and never can. There is something about them that makes them closer to nature and something about them that gives them a, uh, a lack of envy, a lack of, uh, I'm going to get back at you, a lack of a need to take revenge. Though, though there are instances of which those have happened, but uh, I just throw my bone, I'll get back but in general, that's not a long-lasting or deeply internalized feeling, which some of us can carry around for the rest of our lives. I call our animals the angels of our better selves. <laughs> they bring out qualities in us that, that very few people do. Patience, love, tolerance, understanding, humor, forbearance. Uh, so when that is gone, there is a light that's gone out of our lives and we don't have any reference to support that kind of pain. People may indicate compassion and sorrow, but their inclination is to say, and they mean well, or you can always get another pet. Just Mm -hmm. thank God it wasn't a child. But you don't say that if somebody loses a child or a brother, it's probably not a brother.
0: Right, yeah. Well, it's and I want to get to how you take people through their stages of grief after losing a pet. But before we get there, what you said is interesting to me because when we think about an animal's soul, a lot of it, I suppose, is shrouded in mystery. I saw a headline come across my screen yesterday that said a study shows that dogs don't really understand us, understand much of what we're saying. And that may be so, but I think that there's a a sense among pet owners that the animals do get a lot, and they do have a soul, and they do connect with us. And I recently became uh, friends with a dog, my girlfriend's dog, about a year ago when she got her first puppy. And I love the guy. And he when he looks in my eyes, I wonder what he's thinking sometimes. Did you, do you? I don't know how deep we want to get here, but do you consider that?
1: Let me go back. Do you mind? I'm going to be a little bit pushy here. There are two, 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 two terms you use that alarm bells on off of me. Okay. At, the at the beginning of the podcast, you said something about masters, and then just yeah. now in the sense that you said owners.
0: All right, what should, what term should I use?
1: Well, think about it. I mean, that's a kind of speciesism to 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 put it into terms like we're having bacon and eggs. No, you're not. You're having pig and chicken eggs. You know. Mm-hmm. So to the extent that we even subliminate, I'm not blaming you
0: no I, and i don't care i'm a novice when it comes to to this so
1: that's how we feel and think you know? yeah. i'm the owner the pet owner the master it contradicts everything we're just talking about true anyway yeah. so and the third thing is
0: but what's what's what term what term do you use khalil
1: oh yeah i te- typically use the term pet parent.
0: pet parent, okay
1: or, 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 or I would, uh, sometimes i even avoid the word pet because i don't like it mm-hmm. but because it's such a common and established term i'll get bend over backwards to try to find another word for right. it but i would use primarily animal companion mm-hmm. uh animal friend okay uh that kind of and even the reference that you made about the you read this or the headline that came across the yep. screen about What did you say? The headline said, animals don't really, what was it?
0: I think it was dogs don't really understand what we're saying most of the time. And
1: and, and who was saying that? Human being, right?
0: Well, that's true.
1: That isn't arrogance, I don't know what. (laughs) Right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So he's speaking for the dog. Let me tell you, dog, what I know you to understand and be capable of. But you have no right to to, to turn the tables on me and say, that human has no capacity as to what it's like to run up a tree or to smell the world through my nose or to intuit things before my pet parent even knows I'm going to get the keys. I know she's going outside. Well,
0: this was the recent study, and I'll I'll read it to you, chapter and verse, so then we can decide whether there's any merit to it. i read it anyway. This is from People Magazine, so take it for whatever it's worth. A new study has found that dogs probably don't understand actually... Sorry, let me read that again. A new study has found that dogs probably don't actually understand exactly what their owners are saying to them all the time. Researchers at Etovas-Lorand University in Budapest shared their findings published Wednesday in a scientific journal that dogs don't grasp subtleties in speech the way humans do.
1: That's right there for, Okay. first of all, People Magazine did a big article on my work Oh, cool. last year, huge article, oh, nice. as did Dockster and Chronicle, did three shows. I don't want to say on me, but let's say on what we're doing. Right. So, so some recognition, but just a reference point, there doesn't Budapest. They don't understand our language. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about communication via language. We have a language and a vocabulary. To assume that our 5,000 word vocabulary is incomprehensible to the dog, of course. But let's flip it around. What are the ways in which the animal communicates with us that are beyond language and in ways we have never even conceived of because we think in languages? Well, they think in terms of, they think in terms of images, sensory perceptions, And you're going to go to take the dog for a walk. Even before you consciously are aware that you're going to take the dog for a walk, your body is giving signals. Maybe you push the chair back. Maybe you move the coffee that you're drinking up to the right a little bit. Maybe you stretch back and turn and the keys are over in that direction way before you've even gotten the idea in your mind that the animal knows that you're going to go for a walk. Mm. set up, ears will perk, take notice. And if that's not communication, I'm not sure what it is. Or we've found so many instances in which a heartbroken person, the animal will understand. They may not know, oh, she has just lost her boyfriend. He has just lost his girlfriend or the job or a loved one but I know something is wrong with this person. I feel deeply that their emotions are going through some sort of tempestuous something or other. And I will move closer to that being and try to comfort. No, they don't say try to comfort, but I will do something that makes them comfortable. So they're not communicating the language, but the level of communication is profound.
0: Right? Yeah.
1: Does any sense?
0: Absolutely no, and and I'm with you. First of all, I don't know what the purpose of the study was. Really, it, it seems like a little bit of a waste of time because, and maybe something like you say that can't be necessarily. It's the whole breaking this down into a, a black and white science is maybe missing the point when it comes to the the love that people f- perceive and feel from their Absolutely. from their pets. Yeah. So, yeah. so tell us when when someone loses a pet. And they, their companion, and they come to you. What's the first couple of things you want to advise them about? It, it's, it's obviously we think of it a, a certain way with spiritual people who help us heal after we lose a loved one. But how is it different for pets? And tell us about your method. Tell us about what you do.
1: Right. Typically, someone will call or email. Uh, if they call, you can barely understand them because most of the time they're just really sorry. Other times you can feel the tension in the restraint, choosing the words carefully. They don't want to slip. They don't want to go off the deep end. Sometimes they'll send a long email. Usually it's, I just lost my dog yesterday, or or, or I, I lost my cat or my bunny a year ago, and I'm still feeling pain and I don't know what to do with it. To go back again to a comment you made just a couple of minutes ago, absolutely don't give advice. I never give advice. I never try to fix anything because nothing's broken. The only value I can provide is to be fully present and listen to that person's story, no matter how many times they repeat it. Over and over again, they repeat the same story, but I listen for clues. I listen for things that I think might be getting in the way, roadblocks on their grief journey, on their grief path. So someone might say, I should have known that he had cancer of the lymph node. What's wrong with me? I'm a bright person. Why didn't I get it? Mm. And they'll be, then I I'll, so I'll know, oh, all right, we have to deal with this guilt issue before we can get to pure grief. The guilt is preventing us from moving the grief along in a healthy way. So it really is a relationship that gets established That I listen to them and hear them uh, maybe gently try to correct a misperception but mostly help them know that what they're going through is perfectly natural because if you have love you have lost right. they're co-joining they are co joined they can not be separated the extent and depth of your tears and your sobbing is absolutely equivalent to the depth of your love and your and your love for your animals right. so they got to understand that loss is not possible without love and love is not possible without loss
0: and i take it and these are These losses, I take it, in many cases, are just as profound if someone loses a a human companion.
1: Maybe more so, because as I said, human loss sometimes is fraught with complexity. Guilt. I should have said this. We shouldn't have had that fight. I regret all the arguments we had. It doesn't happen between an animal and a person. Almost always there is a kind of... uh, Oh, it's a pure sort of love, unmarred by betrayal, infidelity, um, jealousy, or anger, right. or revenge. So, and there isn't a socially acceptable format for grief with an animal. No funerals, no 40-day mass, no celebration of life ceremony. So then people who mean well, as I've said, will say, as they might with the human being, he's better off now, or is at least out of pain. nobody wants that grief disenfranchised don't try to make me feel better give me the right to grieve yeah when you give a person the right to grieve when you allow them to know it's okay when you allow them to know that pain is absolutely beautiful because it's an affirmation of their love then they have a different perception of themselves and that's a forward movement for all people will say you gotta let go you've been grieving long enough well I began well I become normal, return to normal again, but there is no normal to return to. That's normal's gone forever. So part of our work in grief grief management is to help understand that normal is gone. Don't even imagine returning to it. And you'll always have that grief. For the rest of your life, there'll be that hole in your heart. The pain will soften, you'll integrate it into your daily living, but it will come back in an instant. If you see a dog, that looks like the one you lost 20 years ago. Mm. Oh, you hear a bark you remind, or a meow, it reminds you of the cat that you up when you go bed 15 years from now, you'll say, oh my God.
0: So is your work similar to that of a therapist Will you meet with people who have lost their animal companions for a period of time?
1: I, I It's such a new field. That's why I said I'm probably one of the only half dozen animal shop in the country certainly the only one in Massachusetts or New England, ordained in child and pastor too. But we have, a, the books that have been written and the studies that have been done and the teaching that's being done, I've always avoided the concept of therapy though. It's always a grief counselor, a grief companion. I will walk a grief journey with someone cause they're the expert in their own pain. So I, I don't play a therapeutic role, but It's just a matter of minutes before you end up getting into what would be called therapy, because then you find out that the death of the dog triggers an unmourned, unexpressed death of a parent 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Or the death of a cat somehow reminds them of a death that they did not pay full attention to for Uncle Joe, whom they love very dearly. So then you've got that triggered by that. Which raises guilt about why you didn't express grief for the death of the human that you knew and loved. So quickly, it becomes something resembling therapy, in which the person is wrestling with all kinds of feelings that just simply haven't been processed.
0: Is your, are your, are your the work you do? I, how many different types of animals can it possibly span? And right. tell, and tell me if humans' relationships with different species are inherently different from animal to animal.
1: I can say that again, so
0: what I'm just wondering is someone that comes to you after the loss of a, a dog might be right. a, a sort of a different sort of someone who has just lost a parakeet or perhaps not, perhaps it's universal. but tell me about the different types of pets.
1: Good question. It's a good question. I, have, I haven't had a parakeet. Okay. I've had a bunny, a horse, and mostly dogs and cats. Okay. But, but I never really noticed the difference except because what I'm feeling really is the grief or the loss or the love and the need to figure out what to do, how to live without this being I love with all my heart. And so, so obviously when it comes to something like euthanasia, knowing that this horse has been euthanized has almost visually and therefore kinetically like at the gut level, that's an image. Can you that's not that the image of a lovely animal, dog or cat or bunny is less touching, but shoveling a big hole and mm. putting a horse in it is I would hazard to say far more traumatic because it's just so visually more powerful. Mm. And it works on you in ways that are just simply
0: bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But that doesn't mean that the grief and the love are necessarily minimized by it being a dog or a cat.
0: Thank you. It, it, I imagine that someone's relationship with a horse would, in in all things being equal, would be no, no less deep and meaningful than with a cat or a dog. I don't know, cat, cats and dogs... Some would say you just have different personalities. So maybe it's just right. a little different. But
1: right, right. you don't have a, a dog or you don't have a horse sleeping in bed with you.
0: you know right. Know I mean? But you don't ride a dog or a cat either, I, exactly. I think, in most cases. So,
1: right, right. so, <laughs> so when all this boiled down, you're down to love, attraction, attachment, depth, need. And then again, the function of the personality of the, of the individual. If you're 30 years old and you're in the middle of your career or you're just raising a family, And you lose your dog or your cat, that is a different experience than someone who's 85, who has lost all their friends and all their neighbors, and the dog or the cat may be the last thing that they have going for them. And when that goes, then what's the sense of living, quote unquote? Right. I don't say that, but that's what I hear. Or if it's a child who has grown, who's had a puppy at the age of the child's maybe three, and the dog, God bless him or her, lives to be 18. And by that time, the child is about ready to go to college. So that animal has been a sibling to that child. And mm-hmm. I mean, imagine going through three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all those years, that bond is profound. So if the death occurs when the child is four or five or six, or when the child I don't know I was in college and that death of that child a puppy occurs a dog occurs that's another level of complexity that has to be worked through
0: and the one of the differences between you know humans and pets is if you are someone who's you know, senior in age say say 60 year older and, a, and a, you lose a pet you can get a new animal you, you yes. probably you're probably not going to get an infant child but you can be a human but do you recommend that or or in or is it is that too hard to generalize it, it, Is a new is uh can a pet be in even a small fashion be replaced with a new pet
1: that's one of the half dozen key questions that i always get the other one being will i meet my pet in heaven <laughs> is there a heaven for pets
0: well i want will the answer we, to that one too
1: will we be reunited yes but to go back, yep. it's an individual thing. As a rule of thumb, I would advise someone not to rush out and get another animal because unconsciously or not, they're going to try to replace that animal. They'll say they're not. Mm-hmm. I can never replace the love I have for this animal, for, for, for Maddox, for, 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 for Jeff. But it's too soon. Often it's too soon. Other times, not often, but many other times, uh, people have healed by bringing another animal in. They just are the kind of people that need to love and need to have that space filled. As long as the mourning is completed, as long as they have been true and faithful to the need to grieve, and they're not using another animal as a way of tamping down the grief, which will manifest itself at one point or other, no matter what, then that's okay.
0: And w- what about doggy heaven? What do you tell people uh, when, when they ask?
1: I know it was a Pope Francis, I think it was, or it was a Pope Paul. And that was widely quoted. I think some six year old boy asking this question in an Italian boy, Padua, someplace in Rome, wherever. Mm. And the Pope said, i can par- paraphrasing, is that there in Christ's eternity, God's eternity, there is space for all of his creatures. And you will meet your dog again in heaven. I think he was trying to console the mm-hmm. six year old boy who asked the pontiff that question. I asked the person who was asking that question what would you like to believe? Knowing what they want and need to believe is more powerful than any answer that could be provided. Mm -hmm. So if they say, I want to believe that I will be reunited again with my dog or my cat, then I let it stand, then then it will be so, Mm -hmm. I say, that let it be and then we might have a little prayer after that in which we thank their dog or cat for having been a faithful and good companion and for having brought love and joy to the family but i will ask them if they're willing to have a small prayer and love none out of 10 times it's always yes please regardless of what their religious background might be because there is this feeling that if i affirm this spiritual nature of the love that we shared and in a way affirming that we will meet again in some spiritual plane.
0: Well, we are up against the clock a little bit here. But, yeah, I see um,
1: that. I feel that. No,
0: oh, that's okay.
1: <laughs> our services sure, are, are really free because okay. as a chaplain, as a pastor, I'm reluctant to charge, but we do ask for a donation because we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So any donations that people make tax deductions for them. So that shouldn't ever get in the way. I guess what I'm saying is the lack of money should never get in the way between someone's knee and whatever little good I might be able to do with them on the grief journey.
0: Well, very good. The website is animaltalksinc.com. In. That's
1: com. Right.
0: animaltalksinc.com. And is that the best place to go to find out all about you and also to, to donate to your cause?
1: Yeah. My email is there and I welcome any question people don't have have to even have the death of an animal they just might want to have a question about a friend or a family member or just their own relationship to animals Mm -hmm. so i'm available to talk to them in any way possible
0: well i hope i don't need to uh talk to you about the death of of my dear beloved kobe who's my girlfriend's dog who i love so much but that day will come someday we all all know that (laughs) and before we go khalil i didn't ask you about your pets do you have pets
1: I do have one cat now, who's about eighteen years old, oh. and whom I worry about constantly. Okay. Well, what's, your cat's, what's your cat's name? My, sorry? What's your Her cat's name? your cat's name? Lyric. Lyric. Right. Oh, In boy. fact, I got into this entire work because one of the cats I had, whose name was Cairo, was a huge love. All animals are love. Some animals are bigger loves than others. When he passed, I was bereft. I had absolutely no idea what to do. So he led me into this work i'm certain that he guided me into this work mm-hmm. and so that's
0: where i'm at now well very good world. again it's animal talks inc.com find exactly. out more about khalil and his cause thank you so much i learned a lot i feel like i've done uh, my small part to spread the word about what you do and and really you. you are making the world a little bit happier because oh
1: are you, I, David? I said, <laughs> Thank you very
0: much. You got it. And thanks for joining us here on the Boston Podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And go to pod617.com if you're interested in your own show. On behalf of Khalil and all the animals in the world, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. See ya.